0: a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest-growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll.
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. This is episode 139. And this episode is all about the travel fintech momentum. Um, So for anyone that knows me, you'll know that I absolutely love to travel. I've been to 38 different countries and counting travel runs in my blood. And I'm so incredibly excited to chat all things, travel, fintech, innovation. Um, We're even going to touch upon, you know, Web3. We'll talk about buy now, pay later, insurance, um, and some of the innovations we're Seeing and why fintech and travel are a match made in heaven. So, I'm really excited to introduce our two guests today. We have Tanya Ziegler from Booking.com, she's a senior partnership manager in the fintechs um, part of Booking.com, and Thomas Negrete at Flywallet. He is the CEO and founder of Flywallet. And Flywallet is all about making travel affordable and sustainable with none other than Web3. So welcome both Tanya and Thomas. It's so exciting to have you. Um, Tanya, let's uh, let's start off with you. So who are you? Um, I think most of our listeners know about Booking.com, but maybe kind of a quick kind of overview of what Booking.com is and what your role is kind of in this fintech part of Booking.com.
2: That sounds great. And thank you so much for having us. So, um, my name is Tanya, and I'm a senior partnerships manager here at Booking.com. And as many of you know, Booking.com is a travel and accommodation service company. We're online um, and we're hailed out of Amsterdam. We've been running for nearly 20, well, just over 26 years. Um, And most recently, uh, Booking.com has made a real investment into our financial technology business unit. So, we have a fintech business unit that is now uh, just over a year old. Um, We've just celebrated our one year birthday very recently. And within the context of um, FinTech and what I do at Booking.com, I focus on payment partnerships. So specifically, I focus on enabling financial technology uh, payment solutions that can better travel and better better e-commerce solutions. So that's what I do in a nutshell.
1: Cool. super. So that's really interesting. So you're kind of like the startup within the incumbent in this very new recent um, team. That's a really good way of putting it. Um, but we are we are
2: definitely very purposeful and yeah. really quite serious about how we think about you know financial technology and how it's going to make it better for not just our bookers but also our partners.
1: Cool. Super. Thanks so much for joining us, Tanya. And Thomas, um, so definitely more kind of on the startup, rather, the incumbent side of things. And I think just, you know, as soon as we hear, you know, new technologies, everyone, I think, you know, thinks of of Web3 and and how Web3 can really change the way things are done from from the technological point of view. So yeah, Thomas, thanks so much for joining us. Who are you? Give us a bit more context around what you're doing and how Web3 is going to make a more um, kind of financially savvy and sustainable travel um, experience.
3: Definitely. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Megan, you know, for hosting this uh, space and I'm really happy to be here. So I just really want to, you know, first give uh, a shout out to Matteo and Renata, you know, for inviting me on this space. Um, so yeah, my name is uh, Thomas Negrit. Uh, I'm a French and British national. Um, I lived in the U.S. for a while after college. Travel is also, you know, I'm uh, I'm fond of travel. You know, uh, what I always say is the only experience that makes us richer. You know, and so all of my experiences have, you know, made me who I am today. And uh, that really that real desire to share it with others you know and make it more than more than anything you know accessible to everyone has always been my uh, you know my dream and that's really like the inspiration that made flywallet come to be um and so what is flywallet flywallet is in the most simple terms it's a savings account a dedicated savings account for travel um users save monthly or weekly uh, and basically they're building up their wealth so that they can then afford a trip the web 3 side of things comes into play uh for that inclusive uh side because maybe we'll go deeper into it you know but fintech i've been building this project for the past uh, four and a half years and so self-taught you know really the ins and outs of how fintech can help an industry how also it can you know kind of set limitations and so, my main focus was always to make travel accessible globally. Um, anyone, no matter where you're from, you know, can actually save and book a trip. But when it comes to finance, you know, like uh, it kind of you can't really be that global, you know. And uh, and I came into the industry really trying to make that uh, that happen. So the Web3 element of you know uh, making travel affordable and sustainable through Web3 is actually. Here to explain that making travel affordable and sustainable for everyone, you know, whether you're in Latin America, the U.S., Europe, you know, anyone can actually save and plan a trip. Um, because now more than ever, we're all connected and we all have that curiosity and everyone wants to travel. You no, know? it's not a luxury anymore. And so that's really the gates that I'm really trying to break um, here. I hope that's like, you know,
1: yeah,
2: uh,
3: a good a good intro. That gives you a good idea of uh, the mission I'm on.
1: Yeah, amazing. And I think Mateo and I were actually just running a, a Web3 payments debate for our friends at Ppro. pro And I, the general consensus was that there's definitely some very strong use cases for Web3. And I really love the idea that, you know, you're thinking of Web3 and in cryptocurrency where, you know, markets and geographies, you know, such as Vietnam, um, even India, parts of Africa, Venezuela, Latin America uh, uh-huh are becoming more of these, you know, kind of web three crypto, um, economies. So I, I think that's fantastic. Um, cool. Okay. So let's kind of get into some more, some, some broader, um, level topics. And I think we should start off with talking about why fintech and travel are a match made in heaven. Um, so Tanya, let's, let's kick off from your perspective. Why, I guess, why only, um, or why maybe a, a year ago, booking.com, Mom kind of said, okay, let's pivot towards thinking about fintechs and, and um, payment technologies. Yeah, absolutely. I think you first have to start
2: with why FinTech, right? So, you know, fintech has this incredible possibility of improving financial inclusion, improving financial accessibility for huge swathes of consumers. And that means that we can create new credit opportunities, we can improve affordability, and you can remove those frictions and payments. I think this is what Thomas is what was Thomas was saying really resonates with me. This this idea of removing frictions, creating that security. And so fintech is a solution that can be applied to the Travel industry um, in a way that can really help improve those financial frictions throughout that travel process. And it can make that the the buying or the selling of those travel products a lot faster, a lot easier, and like really crucially, a lot more secure and trustworthy. And so for a company like ours, like booking.com, what we've really thought through is that we've thought, okay, we're going to make a commitment to financial technology. And we're going to have this dedicated fintech business unit. Again, now a year old. Um, And since we are this, you know, a global e-commerce company where we are connecting customers and partners all over the world, you need to think about global solutions. And fintech is a global solution. So fintech can make those connections easier. It can make it so that our customers and our partners are able to focus on the journey rather than the admin of doing that travel process.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think when, when you think about the kind of holistic or end-to-end travel experience there's so many different customer touch points that go over you know potentially quite a long period of time so for example you know next summer I want to go to an event in in Japan or something so you know I'm, I'm starting to Maybe think about saving for that trip now, looking to book it now. And then, you know, when you're a few days before you travel, what you need to think about, uh, insurances, um, as well as, you know, what happens kind of in in the flight, booking the hotel and everything. Um and yeah, I mean, I, I think they're they're definitely you can kind of map almost every type of banking product to the travel experience. And, and, you know, Thomas, that's, that's surely what you're doing with the the savings um, side of things. So, I mean, from your perspective, why are they kind of uh, a match made in heaven? And I guess why savings? Um, Why are you focusing on kind of the savings aspect?
3: Um, Yeah. Like everything, everything that uh, Tanya said, you know, is uh, 100%, you know, I agree with and it's music to my ears, you know, just really uh making uh reducing that friction of, you know, that booking experience, making it maybe less intimidating also, because there's this whole other side of things like booking a flight or booking a hotel, booking a trip is known to be a very stressful experience, you know. Uh, you know, like once you once you commit to that uh that amount, you know, like uh, and it's left your bank account you know that now the only way to get it back is going to have to deal with uh, the customer service. And so FlyWallet really focusing on the saving side is that making it a joyful planning experience, I think is very important. So, you know, you're saving before you can take your time. Maybe I want to go to Rio. Maybe I want to go to Tokyo. Let's just put them in my bucket list, you know. Let me save the right amount so I can make it happen. These are pain points that really like uh, the the average traveler Comes to encounter, and um and so we're seeing really this huge influx of new travelers. You know, that's happened. Like it used to be a luxury traveling. You know, you had to be rich to travel. You know, and now the stigma of anyone can actually go to Paris or go to London has opened up the gates, and so really accommodating this new demographic is uh, is is where uh fintech has that ability. You know, to make that happen. Um, um, that so focusing on the saving is just really to make everyone part of the conversation, you know? So, um, if you can save as little as, you know, $10 a month, which is ridiculous, but I'm sorry, like I have users who save $10 a month and you know, I love them for it and they maybe have a trip happening in five years, but the point is taking that first step, you know? And so being able to capture the potential traveler way before the trip, uh, is super important. You know, like there's, um, the best times, uh, there's actually a study about this, that the best times of a trip, you know, are before it, when you're preparing for it, then you have the trip itself. Yeah. And then you have after when you're telling the stories about the trip and mm-hmm. that before and after tend to be like when people's, you know, energy is the highest, then the trip is obviously amazing. But those memories and that joyful planning is where I think, uh, FinTech has this ability to make the custom experience very unique. And, um, and I'm a, really approaching it as also a, a customer, you know, and also as a founder also, but I'm really trying to put the customer first and fintech has that um, amazing ability. But um, but just to touch on that match made in heaven aside, um, you know, we hear everything is a fintech today. I don't know if you've heard that uh, saying, you know, uh, yes. you know, we went from cash maybe to then cards or checks. And now like fintech is like really here to innovate the payment experience because it's always the least let's say the most taboo moment in a in let's say an acquisition uh cycle and so the travel industry per se has been one of those industries that hasn't innovated in like forever <laughs> i think since the moment we've made it commercial you know uh um it hasn't really changed mm-hmm. and so a match made in heaven i think is like the timing you know um I, I like to define travel as like also like a resident industry, like a bit like um, cars, you know, and you know, <clears throat> and restaurants, in the sense that they're part of our culture. Like taking that break in the year or traveling, it's part of our, um, our yearly and our routines. And so making that payment seamless or the making that payment like very um, natural or making it part of your budget, for example, this is huge opportunity, and so um, the travel industry could definitely benefit from uh, fintech. So it's it's exciting. I mean, it's it definitely can be an example for other industries to adopt, uh, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely, and Thomas. So, how do customers actually have a? How does the savings account work? So, how, like from from the back end, who who are you using to provide the wallet experience?
3: Um. So before we moved to Web3, uh, we were using a wallet provider um, out of uh, Luxembourg. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So users would connect their debit cards and money would be going into uh, an e-money wallet, which is basically safeguarded by this partner bank. So we would be passporting their license to be able to offer this service. Um, They would required to, uh, they would be required to provide, you know, KYC, et cetera, in order to pay out, but that global part, that global accessibility was very convenient for us in order to enable anyone to connect just the debit cards and save and set a monthly or weekly budget. Um that's how the funds were saved. And so recently, um, and due to new, you know, regulations, uh Notably, 3ds, you know, uh, 3ds cards. Like not every bank in the world or every jurisdiction um, has this protocol, you know, in place with their banks. And so, since it's a European bank, any user who wanted to add funds over a certain amount actually weren't able to anymore. Mm -hmm. Although we were able to customize the limit, and so we moved to Web3 just out of necessity to to remain, you know, globally accessible. Our European and American users can continue to use uh, our e-wallet system, you know, which is with partner institutions uh, in the Web2 fintech space. Um, But if you're from, let's say, mostly maybe emerging markets or, you know, other jurisdictions, we offer a Web3 solution.
1: Nice. Cool. Um, And I guess, so... uh, Tanya, Thomas, you both talked about kind of how important fintech is as a means to innovate in the travel industry. And I think when we think about the fintech industry, one of the the biggest and perhaps most controversial um, kind of innovations to come out is the whole concept of buy now, pay later. Um, So actually, a a few years ago, I was booking a a flight to um, Asia on, on Turkish Airlines, and I saw at the checkout page they offered Klarna so i could actually you know it was a, it was a pretty big ticket item and the ability to have that option i think was amazing and you know there's this debate on the role that Like how Buy Now Pay Later will impact the credit card industry. And when we think about airlines, you know, all the big airlines have a co branded credit card. You know, I have a a Lufthansa um, co branded credit card when I lived in the UK. I had the British Airlines one. Um, So, how do we feel about Buy Now Pay Later? Do we think it's kind of uh, um, going to kind of disrupt the way people pay? What does this mean for like airlines and hotels? when they think about co-branded credit cards Tanya, what, what's your perspective on on the rise of buy now pay later
2: yeah so booking.com uh, is now kind of in that discovery phase and, and we have enabled um buy now pay later on some of our uh in some of our products and part of our platform i do think that there's always going to be a time and a place for you know credit cards and for other sort of local payment methods but what buy now pay later at least in my mind, this is not competition. This should be viewed as complementary. I think fintech in general, often new innovations in fintech are always thought as initially as, oh, this is competition. Actually, a lot of these are complementary so that they can, again, provide more choice, more options for users. And of course, there's always going to be a duty of care and a company like us, we're always putting that at the heart of everything we do, that duty of care. But buy now, pay later as sort of a, a broader subject, if you will, I think that this is ultimately expanding the way that an individual can pay for their trip. You know, one of the things that you've both said that really resonated with me is that the traveler's first impression starts at that first click, be it the accommodation, the flight, you name it. So if part of your experience is also how you can pay for it and how you can think about controlling your own finances, then buy now, pay later as a vehicle can really help in that checkout process by expanding the choice for an individual. Now we're fairly um, agnostic with respect to how we view payment methods. We're not going to say you need to do this or that. We want to allow our customers to really think through what is best for them. So really allowing a customer to have that, you know, that ability to decide what is the right way for paying. But with Buy Now, Pay Later, what you have seen already are a number of clear use cases that are existing in the context of travel. We've already seen a number of airlines. We've seen a number of e-commerce travel companies that do offer Buy Now, Pay Later or installment plans to their customers. So it is a relatively new financing option, but with travel on the rise, in particular in the context of this COVID recovery, where we are actually seeing travel increasing kind of on all fronts, Buy Now Pay Later can help as an option that's utilized more and more. Within the context of buy now, pay later, it's also important to remember that regulation is going to differ. The manner in which buy now, pay later is approached is going to differ from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So when we make comments about buy now, pay later more broadly, we need to make sure that we're also measured with respect to where those activities are happening. For a company like us, we think about it first as how can this create, again, frictionless Payment prop, payment methods that are secure and that enables choice within that sort of within that space that's already safe. So that's where for us it's really important. And I do think that buy now pay later is on the rise. Any way you cut it,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah, I think I think that's a, a, it's a very fair and I think point is that buy now pay later will and increasingly will kind of be determined by the various regulations. At, at the market level, so you know, thinking about buy now, pay later in the UK may be completely different from buy now, pay later in um, Australia or Germany. Um, but I mean, I think use cases is- can be different too. That that's the beautiful thing is that the use cases, yeah. you
2: know, just beyond travel, can be very different depending yeah. on the jurisdiction.
1: Definitely. And Thomas, how does like how, what what's your view on buy now, pay later? Because I guess if if your product is looking at kind of more that sustainable savings plan, yeah. <laughs>
3: do
1: you? I now pay later as kind of a competitor to what you're offering, or? <laughs>
3: um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be completely, you know, honest. I'm super anti uh, buy now pay later, you know. And in our case, we're talking about travel, so maybe we talk book now, pay later. You know, just for mm-hmm. just for purposes of the travel industry. Um, but I definitely agree. Although I really agree with uh, Tanya. You know, mm. the goal of it is is to empower. You know, or to you know enable uh, people to you know be able to purchase. You know, in different methods and give that flexibility. But if you were to you know if you really were to describe or define what credit is in as few terms as possible. That would be buy now, pay later, you know? Um, and just, it, it doesn't empower people, it actually traps them, in my perspective. And so the approach that I'm really trying to take here is save now, pay later, you know? Yeah. Like save now, when you have the amount, then spend it on, uh, you know, spend responsibly. Yeah. Again, I'm a startup, you know? So I'm always, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, how can I really actually then provide value to my users, but also, you know, accompany them, you know, and be there, you know, for them through and throughout, then, you know, hopefully when we grow, uh, you know, I hope I can keep those, you know, those values intact. Um But my point being is that um, book now, pay later, or buy now, pay later, um you know, I think that they're never going to really compete, you know, with uh, credit cards um, until airlines integrate it into themselves. Because as Tanya said, they remain a service, you know, or if hotels uh, integrate it themselves, but it remains a service or a payment method. And as long as they, they're they basically operating a different type of user experience when it comes to credit, so instead of using a credit card, I'm using, you know, um, if I don't have a credit card or I don't have credit, I can go and purchase a flight or a hotel using a buy now, pay later, you know, platform It's just really innovating the user experience. But at the end of the day, it's still credit, you know, and I don't think that that really helps travelers like who wants to go on a trip and pay for it after they come back you know um i'm using the space to really voice my opinion you know? like uh, yep. this is what you know we're here for this is really what i'm trying to you know put forward uh there are people who a vacation is supposed to be relaxing it's supposed to be something that you know brings joy and so finance is always the most stressful element you know so if if you have to go into more debt you know to then relax from your previous debt i think it's like you know it's a vicious circle that's happening um but that said it sounds like what's really
2: i think this is really interesting like it sounds what's really important to you then is this concept of affordability and appropriateness of the kind of credit that an individual um you know may or may not be taking and i think that that's super important that there's always that appropriateness that somebody's not being sold a financial product that's inappropriate for them. Cause I think that this is the biggest, um, not just in travel, but more generally with financial technology, this is the biggest debate that we see from policymakers and regulators, but also that you would, you know, have internally. And, and I think that, um, you know, your point is accurate that we have to make sure that the products that are marketed more generally are always appropriate. Um, but I think where I would just push back a little is that credit and installments, depending on your jurisdiction might be viewed in different capacities. Um, and how that, how that product can be utilized by individuals. I think it does become a really personal, um, financial control decision. So I think, where where what you're saying resonates a lot with me is this idea of being able to control my own finances but where buy now pay later certain buy now pay later solutions not all there are predatory yeah, solutions definitely. out there for sure um but you know done responsibly and with care i think actually can enable financial control Absolutely. for an individual um just Absolutely. personally i've used buy uh, now pay later no no
3: of course of course <laughs> I, I might have come up, i might have come off you know a bit too strong because uh, like True story, fly wallet initially was called Fly Now, you know, and mm-hmm. we were operating actually, we called it Book Now, Pay Later, which was basically you could lock the flight price, you know, lock it uh, for 50%, you know, so the flight price wouldn't go up anymore. And then once you've paid the other 50%, you could then fly. So the buy now is buy now, pay later, but responsibly done in a way where you have to pay everything before uh, the trip, you know, like, um, yeah. so. To, you know, to, to to go deep into what you're saying, I 100% agree, the, you know, how it's used or how it's implemented, you know, is extremely important, you know, um, because you're here to, you know, really provide a service. And so that ability to, you know, like if you know which dates you're going to travel and you know when it is, and you know you want to secure it right now, but you don't have, let's say, the cash flow to, you know, secure it. Um, mm-hmm. In that case, buy now, pay later or book now, pay later are you know excellent tools and um and actually well on a business standpoint i uh i had to kind of cap it because then it requires you know a certain treasury so that you because you're kind of fronting that you know you're yeah. fronting the this cash you know to book and so as a startup you know it wasn't that sustainable so we moved to like save now um pay later but um i mean it's 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 the right way to go it's empowering more travelers you know and that's what the travel industry is now now has to do you know to bring more people into the space totally it's accessibility more inclusive. accessibility exactly accessibility yeah. so yeah. it's uh it just has to be done responsibly you know i can tell you know tanya you're very responsible you're, you know you got it
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think what what what's definitely coming out is um you know again kind of giving customers as many options and accessible and responsible ways to plan and, and pay for their, you know, vacation. Because, um, yeah, I mean, one thing that actually that, that I find very interesting with this whole kind of like buy now, pay later um, aspect is actually I was working for a client that is a credit card issuer that is offering a post-transaction buy now, pay later product so now we're starting to see you know like is that like credit on on credit is that very like predatory or is that a good thing because then you know it allows users that may you know have like all of a sudden been whacked with like a big tax bill be able to free up some some capital you know they may not they may use a buy now pay later product or service you know once every five years or once in their lifetime or something so I think definitely giving customers that that choice. And I think, you know, while credit cards and credit products have always been the norm, I think Thomas, it is so refreshing to see a dedicated savings product. Um, I think you know one of the a, a very strong use case across many different customer segments, but I think specifically within the freelancer, the digital nomad, the creative segment, a really big up and coming um, you know segment, and thinking about new ways of working is you know i'm a freelancer i enjoy flexibility i want to save for a 6 months around the world trip so you know empowering people to save rather than just giving them kind of the the easy solution when it comes to credit but what's cool is that like it's not just those
2: credit products, but there's also, I think um, Thomas has touched upon it already, but you know, price guarantees, price yeah. locks, pay in your own currency. Like these are all things that at least we're looking at really seriously because these are ways that financial technology solutions can be applied to that, to that checkout experience that can make it easier. It can give you more control, that can expand that choice. And in the context of travel, we're seeing not just us, but more broadly, you're seeing the the travel industry um, and accommodations um, looking at those innovations more and more. How do we make this um, more equitable? How do we make this more affordable?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the the, the concept of price lock-ins, is this something new in the industry? I mean, Thomas, you said that you kind of started off um, looking at at, at price lock-ins. So like what is the history and evolution of price lock-ins where do, where do we see it going? Thomas what what's what's your views on the yep. price lock-in?
3: I mean it's uh it's for a traveler, you know, being able to lock the price. Everyone knows the sooner the longer you wait until the departure, you know, uh the price is going to go up. You know, mm-hmm. this is like a a stand, standard knowledge for anyone who's going to book, you know, book a flight. So the ability to lock it beforehand, you know, is a uh, is a huge value add uh, for any first-time traveler or regular traveler, you know. You just have that fixed rate, you know, and then you can, you know what you can expect, you know. And uh, and also it takes away that stress, you know. Oh, I have to go. Again, it's the user experience, you know, being able to accommodate uh, everyone. Like, oh, the flight is super cheap right now in August for December, you know, but, you know, I have to pay my rent, uh, Let me, you know, I have to then pay, Maybe let me save up this month, sacrifice some, you know, some pleasures this month. And then in September, i have enough to book it. But then the flight price will be above. Mm -hmm. Flight locking uh, is, like I mentioned, you know, what was my first, you know, my first, uh, what first came into my mind when it was like, how can we make travel more inclusive and more accessible? is flight locking. Um, And that can only be done through a book. We're seeing it in certain projects, you know, they're offering it. And uh I have faith in it. I think that if the industry, if the travel industry in terms of its distribution, in terms of its pricing, you know, economics, you know, manages to be on the same page in a certain way. Like this is like very utopian thinking, you know, if we know what we know the travel industry as it is, but if they manage to actually uniform a bit like the say the the routes, you know, and maybe the pricings and see it as a long-term because travel, I don't think is going anywhere. Price locking could, uh, could change the game completely. Um, I mean, a year ahead, you know, like they could actually create like an average set price for every flight, every route. And uh, I think that everyone, all the margins would be met and, um, and everyone would benefit from it. Uh, But I definitely believe in that service. Uh, Price locking is here to stay. It just has to be integrated properly
1: definitely
3: i just want to really want to mention uh booking.com like i also you know use booking.com cuz that you know pay at the property you know where you can like book it you know and then pay at the property is like a huge you know it's so comforting you know it's a huge uh, um relief so locking it um is like just on the user experience level is uh, is a huge value uh, there's no question about it and it definitely threads with you know insure tech insurance, uh, which in terms of like the synergies between you know flight locking prices and you know um, insurance that we have to find like a uh, a good um, a good middle ground uh, for those two to to work because yeah if at the last minute the flight gets cancelled as you mentioned, Tanya, or you know you can't go anymore, the flight locking is good only so much and um, and one compromise that we actually offered uh when we did Book Now Pay Later at the time was that it to providing the service of locking the flight, that first 50% that you kind of used to lock the price and then you had to pay the rest before the departure, but was basically non-refundable. Mm-hmm. Um that way with insurance companies, you know, we could maybe ask for a 50% refund, which you know is more. And that way as a business, you know, we didn't incur any, you know, any significant losses, um, but making the user accountable, you know, just like with booking, you know, if you don't cancel 48 hours or 24 hours before, you're going to get charged and and uh, that responsibility, putting that responsibility, we can only assist travelers so much, you know, we want to assist them as much as we can, accommodate them as much as we can, um, but they have to also be um, accountable and, uh, and I think that that's where we create a deeper relationship with them um
2: that 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 relationship part is really important I mean you know at at booking we have um so we have our you know our rewards program and what's really amazing is that you do see how people are you know if we're loyal to you you you, they'll be loyal to us as well and I think that if you can give them that good experience and we're all being quite, quite realistic about everyone's expectations that's why when we do have these options we make it really clear this is what it means this is how you can utilize this and Mm -hmm. I think that that engenders trust and that trust component is so crucial in the travel experience or the accommodations experience um I think it's and I think what's nice is that I think not just for booking but more broadly people in people within the travel space are thinking about trust much more and providing that respect back to their um, back to their customer. That has to be a part of the conversation when you're thinking about financial technology. Financial technology for e-commerce, embedded finance, fin- whatever. but that piece has to be super important. And I think that that is a trend that we're seeing actually, not just with us, broadly speaking.
1: I I think it'd be good to maybe then. I think the segues nicely into kind of the the future and what the future holds. So I think if, if I think this would be a good last question. If we were to kind of reconvene in five years' time, what are like the three what are the three big changes, new products, new experiences, new ways of thinking about travel that will be kind of our, our points of discussion in, in five years' time? Um, Thomas, what, what what do you think?
3: Um, just to give it a... Uh, I know that we're approaching the time, so I want to give it uh, just a couple seconds of thought. But I think... Um, loyalty you know loyalty programs yeah. with brands is definitely a um a space that will evolve you know again you know it's segueing off of you know the relationship with the customer um but today we see that in travel um just the more you travel you know the more rewards that you get but I think that uh the future customer isn't going to choose by airline you know it's mostly maybe going to choose by type of travel you know like sustainable travel you know or uh, leisure travel like you know hotels Like it's going to be definitely more holistic um the travel experience is going to be holistic from the type of travel that we want to be uh, or that we like to do and uh, from beginning to end from pre-booking so you know the saving side to planning it to booking to you know experiencing the airport airport experience the airport experience is definitely i hope you know in the next five ten years it's going to improve and then that post-trip um, um, experiences are going to be uh, ironed out. Yeah. Um, and we're definitely going to talk in ways of how, you know, I guess, how impactful, how we can travel responsibly, how it's important for our mental health or, you know, our planet. Um, it's going to take a bigger... The conversation is going to get way deeper, um, I think. Um, but right now, FinTech is one step towards that. and um, And I believe that, yeah, smoothing out the booking experience with fintech is a must, no matter what.
1: Good. Yeah, Tanya, does that resonate with your views of the future? It does. I I almost
2: think that there's like sort of three key areas. Um, The first is definitely this trust piece that Thomas is saying, you know, really thinking about how do you, and I think trust is also part of the loyalty and rewards. So, like, you know, how do we reward people for trusting in us and providing a service to them? How do we make sure that they feel secure, safe? Um, and not just the traveler, but also our partners, also the different, you know, the different businesses, the B2B side as well. So I think where where I see fintech and travel evolving, it's it's really being quite much closer in that trust piece. I think the second is actually, oddly enough, travel itself. So, you know, in the context of a global pandemic or, you know, other things that are happening in the world, we are a global company um, and we're committed to making those international connections easier and safer. And what we are seeing is that customers are not just doing those international travels, but they're also traveling domestically. And your experience, either international or domestic, at least from that, uh, admin perspective should be easy, should be painless. And so where I think that we see fintech going is really actually that that really focusing on that creating solutions piece that would help us understand how to make seamless facilitate those seamless payments um, that are suitable for an international or for a domestic traveler, be it an international traveler that needs to pay in their own currency or how that's received by a merchant. And I think the last thing, quite honestly, just to focus in on that payment piece, because yeah. it is what we're seeing. And it's a little bit what you guys have already talked about is, you know, the tokenization and merchant initiated transactions piece. How do we make sure that um, an individual can securely make that payment in a really easy, fast way? So Authenticating once, um, being able to yeah. choose how you pay and maybe reuse that payment information—that's, I think, the next big innovation. Innovation—it's going to be um, to borrow, like a phrase that we've seen from the OECD, and to try and, and and borrow from a phrase that the UN, sort of, World Travel Organization, has said a lot, is that that last mile digitalization. Yeah. And I think that that's where we're going to see big strides, not just in travel, but e-commerce more generally. That's what I think will become much more easy, be it at the check-in at your hotel or the check-in at your, um, at your, uh, flight that you'll start to see that last piece becoming a lot easier and more integrated. And I think that that's something that booking.com and a lot of our colleagues in the travel space are, are hoping to work towards, make this process easier, faster, yeah. and safer.
1: Yeah, sounds like we could be moving towards a a big travel super app one day, (laughs) maybe. And it'll have a loyalty program. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And you can play in fiat or crypto. You can save, you can use, you can take it from your micro savings, your buy now, pay later if you want your credit card. So I think, yeah.
3: Spend on experiences, not things.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I, this has been an incredibly interesting and, and fun talk about kind of all things travel. And it was really interesting to kind of get to perspective on things like buy now, pay later, Um, you know, hear the kind of incumbent perspective, the startup perspective, get insights into how, you know, web, the, the, uh, we touched briefly upon, you know, the web three use case when it comes to travel. Um, But I think, we're all in agreement that fintech is definitely one of, will be a catalyst for innovation in the travel industry. It's absolutely needed and making the experiences as seamless and flexible and and smooth as possible for customers when it comes to all touch points on travel, because I think we can all agree now with all the kind of crazy stories we're hearing about traveling at the moment, any kind of, you know, seamless, nice, flexible experiences for customers will be very well welcomed definitely after the summer of travel, I think.
3: So you know, this was fun. This was great. Megan, by the way, amazing host. You know, thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you know, uh, totally.
1: Yeah, this was this was really interesting. I, I hope we can do this again in a year and, and see how quickly innovation has spread to, to the travel industry. Um so yeah, listeners, this was Breaking Banks Europe, episode 139. Um, Thomas, where can our listeners find out more about Flywallet? How can they sign up and, and start saving for their next trip?
3: Um flywallet.io um, is uh, the website you should be able to start saving in less than two minutes. Uh, That's what we pride ourselves on. Um, I appreciate, you know, follow on LinkedIn, FlyWallet, or Twitter, Fly underscore Wallet. Uh, That's where we are uh, most active. And then Instagram and TikTok, you know, those also FlyWallet. But uh, but yeah, anything, you can always reach out to me directly on uh, LinkedIn or by uh, email. Always happy to, to meet aspiring travelers and uh, travel fintech uh, enthusiasts.
1: Super. And Tanya, booking.com is booking.com. So right.
2: And on booking.com, you can find stays, flights, your flight in your hotel, your car rental, your experiences, lots of different ways in which you can experience travel, be it business or pleasure. So please visit us. Um, And it was really a pleasure to be here with you. And safe travels, everyone.
3: Safe travels.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you both so much. I hope for our listeners, this has really inspired you to start, you know, thinking more about how fintech can really empower both businesses and, and consumers when it comes to all things traveling. So thank you again to my guests. And, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode of Breaking Banks Europe